I am so excited to introduce to you Dr. Mike. Uh, how many of you love to be around carriers of hope? It's just fun to be around people that are encouraging, give hope, and um, that's this man for sure. And also his beautiful wife, Roxanne, I'm so glad you're here. And um, uh, I just uh, really honor this man. Uh, he pastored for 35 years. Um, he was, uh, was a behavioral behavioral therapist, that's different than what I do as a behavioral consultant. I deal with leaders. He really dealt with the nitty gritty. I just say the way it's supposed to be. He does something about it. And so uh, he is a counselor. And uh, as many of you are aware, he uh, serves Randy Clark uh, at a Global Awakening. And he's the director of the school. And uh, that's how we've come into contact uh, at Global. Uh, I feel like a part of me is partnering with this man in so many ways. I just love him. I trust him. Isn't it wonderful to find people you can trust? And this is a man you can truly trust. And uh, if you've never heard Dr. Mike uh, before, just open up your heart and recognize that his heart is pure, his message is powerful, and the anointing he carries has the ability to break every yoke. So we bless you this morning and we welcome Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Well, good morning, Giving Light. Good to see you guys today. It's great to be back here. It's been a couple of years since I was here before, and uh, it's just such a great honor to be with you guys today. I've got a couple of things that I, I want to say before I actually get into the message, so I, uh, I just have so many things on my heart for you today that, uh, first of all, I'm just amazed at the presence of Jesus in this room. Isn't it so awesome? Come on, would you just praise him again? Come on, lift up. He is just so amazing. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for leading us into that. Um, first of all, uh, Stephen and Melody, would you just come and stand here for a minute? Uh, and Roxanne, would you join me for just a second? Um, you take care of that for me? Yeah, just stand right here. I, uh, first of all, I love you guys tremendously. I love you so much. And uh, uh, I want, I also want Janine, uh, you're busy though, aren't you? You're busy. So Paul and Donna, come over here as well. Um, you know, I, pa I did. I pastored for 35 years. And the last two churches that I pastored were in the middle of cornfields. And uh, so that's why I feel so much at home here. I just feel such a, not only, not only just the amazing things that God has put in your hearts to release, not just to this community, but the whole world. But I, I saw a vision that the Lord gave me years ago that I want to give to you again as I walked in this place again. I saw balls of light, huge power balls that were being thrust from this place into the cornfields around this arena. And those cornfields and soybean fields don't represent just this area, although you have a mighty impact in this area, but it literally refers to the footprint that you have all over the world. And I want to I just say to you that Giving Light, the International Training Center, all that Dr. Melody does and all that you do, Stephen, has a footprint that is much larger than you could ever possibly imagine. You know, one of my favorite, if you know this about Global School, my favorite passage of scriptures is Joshua 1.3, where after telling Joshua over and over again, don't 
you know, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, because he was scared to death, right? He says, every place you put the sole of your foot, I've given to you. And uh, it's interesting that the place that they crossed over uh, the River Jordan was Gilgal. And just within the last 10 years, National Geographic was doing a satellite survey of that area, and they found a geographic formation that looks like a giant sandal footprint. Wow. And I feel like that's a very significant picture for you guys, that your faithfulness mm -hmm. in being transplanted from a completely different place into the middle of this cornfield is a symbol of, first of all, you saying yes, no matter where he sent you. Secondly, that you had no clue of the kind of impact that you would have over the entire world. And thirdly, I want to just declare to you that the, your greatest days of Amen. influence are coming in like a flood in the days ahead. And one of the things we wanted just to give to you was, first of all, because of your, your, um, your dedication to seeing kingdom justice reign and rule over the earth, this is just a little statue that you can have with you that says, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you, O Lord, will keep me safe, from Psalm 4-8, and it's the lion laying down with the lamb. Amen. And then just a pen that just declares a faithful servant, whoever writes the most gets it. So we'll give it, there it is, there it is, there it is. So anyway, would you just extend your hands out to this amazing couple? Father, I just thank you so much for Dr. Stephen and Melody God, for, for these amazing, this amazing couple that came from a, a completely different place to come here. And God, not only is Elizabethville and the surrounding area of Pennsylvania blessed, but God, the world is blessed because of their obedience. And Father, we speak a word of encouragement. When, when Joel was, was singing the song about the flood coming in, you know, in, in, when you're raising corn and soybeans, there are times of dryness and there are times that their flood comes. And the flood is something that's not to be uh, feared because actually it, uh, it reveals the plants that have the deepest roots mm -hmm. and they hold strong. And I want to declare because of your faithfulness, in the drought seasons here. God is saying, I bring a flood of blessing, of people, of provision, and open doors for you like you've never known before. That you will be able to sustain it, you'll be able to carry it, because your roots have gone so deep. And what's going to happen in the days ahead is that that which has been hidden will be revealed. That which has gone deep into the earth during the drought is going to come forth with glory and blessing and fruitfulness like you've never known before. So, Father, fresh anointing oil for this next season, for the next 10 years. I just, I keep hearing 10 years for you guys as the greatest days of your lives yet ahead in Jesus' name. So we bless them. We thank, thank you, God, for this amazing couple in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Give it up for these guys. We love you. We love you so much. So, um, let me just say one, one real quick thing about tonight. Guys, if you're coming tonight, we're going to do something that might be just a little bit different. In that, uh, I heard the Lord says, 
that I want my sons to have a dialogue. So I want you to bring questions. If there are questions about anything that have to do with your walk as a man, as your walk as a son, as a family life, if there are things that, that you've been afraid to ask your pastor <laughs> or been afraid to ask anybody, and you'd like to talk about that tonight or ask a question about that, I want you to bring questions because I've got a word for you guys, but I'm not going to give the word until we go through the questions. And uh, I really, I want to have a dialogue tonight. I want to talk as men. You know, it talks about that men are to sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. And so many times that, you know, there's a sense of conflict. You know, the idea, oh, we've got to have conflict. Well, conflict is a, is a good thing. Every good movie has some kind of conflict in it. But sometimes we just need to talk, right? We just need to talk. We need to, we need to ask some questions that nobody else is asking or we're afraid to ask. So, you know, even if you want to write the question down anonymously and give it to me, I'll be glad to uh, answer those as well. I, have the, I also have the freedom to say the, the most awesome words in the English language when they're put together, and that is, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody say, I don't know. It gives such freedom, doesn't it? Because there's no, there's no experts. There's only people that have more experience. So men, bring your questions, bring your food, and we're going to have a great time tonight in Jesus' name. First of all, I'm so proud of the amazing Janine Sweatman. How many of you love Janine? We love her so much. She is such an amazing treasure. And uh, we're neighbors. We, just, we live about three or four doors from each other. We never see each other in the neighborhood. We only see each other at these events, but we're neighbors, so it's great. And the other thing I want to do, I want to introduce my intern for this year, uh, Paul and his wife, Donna Childress. Uh, Paul has been a student at Global School. Donna has uh, also been a graduate of our Global Summer Intensive, which is coming up again soon. And uh, I wanted to give them an opportunity to just come up, get you, let you guys get to know them, and know about the ministry that they do together. So do I have a microphone that I could have them? That would be awesome. Give it up for Paul and Donna. Would you do that? There it is. Go for it. So hi. How's everyone? Good? Good, good, good. So uh, this is not a Pennsylvania accent. Um, uh, my wife and I are from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Donna, stand up for just a moment. How many of you love Donna's hair? I love it. <laughs> Yay! Just, just like everything else, that has a purpose. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, yeah, so we came to uh, Global School from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, came out of the United Methodist denomination, and uh, we still consider ourselves United Methodists. Uh, we, we, re we really want to see transformation into that church. Uh, we also have got a ministry here. It's called Truth Ministry, and it's all about healing, wholeness, and deliverance. Uh, but we have a main focus on anyone that's dealing with same-sex attraction. Uh, we have a club ministry. So as you can imagine, if an old guy like me and somebody with purple hair walks into a club, people, we're noticed. And we, we really don't have to do a lot of work. But what we found through this is, and it's kind of amazing to be a portion of this, particularly tonight, is that where there's not a father present in a home, 70, uh, I would say 97% of the people that we see that are dealing with same-sex attraction come out of homes like that. So it's, it's amazing that we're here today. And if you have any questions as we go through uh, this day or tonight, I'll be glad to answer any questions for you. I uh, even sat down one-on-one -on -one to talk to you about it. Okay? Yay! Awesome. Thank you, Paul. 
and just real quick, uh, those of you who do know that uh, I have a ministry in uh, training people how to pray to bring healing to post-traumatic stress disorder. We'll talk a little bit about that today and a little bit about it tonight as well. Uh, there's a DVD and a CD and a prayer card that's back there on the table if you want to take advantage of it. Uh, a lot of folks get healed uh, just by watching or listening to that. Uh, if you have somebody that has post-traumatic stress and you're not sure if you can talk with them about it, just give them a copy of the CD and say, hey, listen to this guy and see what, see what you think about him. Uh, it's just amazing what the Lord is doing with that. The first weekend of March, which is the second, third, and fourth, uh, we're doing a conference on emotional healing and deliverance at a Global Awakening at our headquarters in Mechanicsburg. Um, I'm going to be speaking, as a matter of fact, that Saturday morning, I'm going to be doing the post-traumatic stress seminar, a shortened version of it. Uh, Katie Luce, who is our amazing on-site administrator and director of our Sozo Connect Up ministry, is going to be speaking. Micah Williams, who is Ben Williams' uh, uh, wife, y'all met them, you know them. She's going to be speaking as well. And then Bill Suddeth, who took over uh, C. Peter Wagner's uh, Deliverance Society, the International Society of Deliverance Ministers, is also going to be there. And so we're going to have a great weekend. The registration is free. It'd be great if you'd sign up ahead of time, but you can come for all or, or just one or two sessions. You, for, for instance, if you're interested in the PTSD seminar, you could just come for Saturday morning. Uh, but we'd ask you to register on the Global Awakening website, globalawakening.com, if you would, because we've got, I'm, I'm amazed, we have over 350 people already signed up for that weekend. So somebody praise God. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Praise God. So um, I want to, how many of you got your Bibles or your iPads, your iPods, your Androids, your knee pads, whatever you got, and get your Bibles open and uh, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. How many of you hear the cry that is going forth in this world today for freedom? How many of you understand that right now we live in a day, and I know that uh, your pastor, Dr. Melody, has talked about this, where there is more slavery happening in the world today than ever in, in nearly all of human history. I know that uh, Dr. Melody was massively impacted by the Widmers and their ministry to, the, to those that, were, uh, that are in human trafficking. Uh, we have a, a couple that are graduates from Global School, Nick and Rachel Billman, who work on the streets of Recife, Brazil, and they reach out and, and bring uh, the child prostitutes and the, and the young women uh, off the streets. We have a, an associate that is just a prophet with Global Awakening, Kale Mumby, who is just with us, who literally goes into the brothels in Mexico City. And he can't, uh, he can't bring the young women out of their, their human trafficking because the, they're, run, they're owned by gangs. And if they bring them out, they will kill their entire family. So what he does, he goes in there and ministers hope and love and, and seeks to get them as free as they can be in the midst of a horrible situation. The cry for freedom is huge in, in the world today. The, we, we see it not just in 
the, the refugees and those, the migrants that are seeking to come into a free country, but we see it in, in every, uh, do, you, do you understand that there is a move of democracy that is sweeping the nations in, in this day and time? That, you know, we, if you're my age, which is, I'm in my early 60s, we can remember a day where it seemed to be that there was a move of totalitarianism, of communism that was sweeping the nations. And we literally talked about the domino effect, which is why we actually were, went into Vietnam in the 60s and did the Vietnam War because, and we did the Korean War as well, because of what was known as the domino effect, the, the fear of totalitarianism sweeping the lands. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm just declaring in Jesus' name, there is something opposite that's beginning to happen in the nations today. A year and a half ago, I was in the Ukraine, and Ukraine had just, after the Soviet Union fell, they, they came out from under the, the, the heavy hand of the Soviet Union, and because they had a president who was trying to move more towards back into the Russian orbit, they had a revolution. And in that revolution, that nation became a democratic state in a huge way. And of course, what did Russia do? They sent in troops. First of all, they took Crimea, and then they literally invaded uh, the eastern side of Ukraine, and there's a place called the Red Zone in the Ukraine, which is a battlefield. Uh, and I had the, the opportunity, the privilege of going in in five different cities in Ukraine and training chaplains, prayer counselors, pastors, prayer ministries in the healing PTSD model because there is a, there is a fight going on in Ukraine now for them to be free. And I was given, one. Uh, I was praying for a young lady, she was in her early 30s. She had signed up for the Ukraine militia. And by the way, the one thing you have to understand about the Ukraine military is that the previous president had so decimated the military that they really had no standing organized military. So as Russia came in to, to invade this territory, a militia rose up. Literally, men and women standing up and saying, we will go and fight. And this young lady had two children at home, but she volunteered for the militia wow. to go fight in the red zone. She's a paratrooper that goes in and literally parachutes in and is part of the infantry. And she was suffering. She was going back onto the field, but she was suffering from horrible post-traumatic stress disorder. And so I had an opportunity. She was just an hour from getting on the train to go back into the eastern zone. And I had an opportunity to pray for her and to see her get set free from post-traumatic stress disorder. And while she was crying, she had two patches on each side of her uniform. And they're, they're held on by Velcro. And she ripped them off and handed them to me. And she says, will you please remember us as we fight for our freedom? Mm -hmm. And in one of the patches, it's a patch that's worn by everyone in the Ukrainian militia. And it says this, no one but us. That is, we have to know that nobody's going to fight for, nobody's going to come and rescue us. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to come and fight for our freedom. No one but us. And so that, that mother is a picture I always carry in my mind. 
that she was willing to leave her children with her parents to go and fight for their freedom. That's the cry of freedom that's in the world today, which is why I believe this is the greatest day for the Christian church in all of human history. I believe that's why all the prophecies for the billion soul harvest are going to be true and we're right in the midst of it seeing happening. This is why the stories of Muslim, whole Muslim villages coming to faith in Jesus Christ by having a dream of, of, a, of a man in a white robe with, with uh, nail piercings in his hands appearing to all of them and them, the entire village coming to Jesus Christ. Christ, why there is a revival going on in the nation of Iran. Right now, there is, there is an absolute revival of hundreds of thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ in the nation of Iran. And there'll be a day, I'm declaring it, there'll be a day that the, the, uh, the dictatorship and the totalitarian state of Iran will be turned over by the power of the Christian church. And we will begin to see just, just like that happened in Ethiopia. You know, there were years, years ago in Ethiopia, there came a communist dictatorship into the state of Ethiopia. And the Christian church had to go underground for decades, had to go underground for decades. And they, they did not know, I mean, the, the, that government came in and decimated the Christian church and they did not know how many people were becoming Christians. But when when that government was eventually overthrown, then all of the Christians came out of hiding. And what they found out that there was an exponential increase in the Christian church in Ethiopia of over 100% of what they had counted before. And in the underground of of, of the communist horrible dictatorship, there came a, a rising up of the Christian church. So brothers and sisters, I want to say to you today, This is the greatest day to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you and I were born for this moment. You and I were born for this time and place. And you may say, well, wait a minute. I live out here in the middle of central Pennsylvania. What in the world can I do? How in the world do I catch into this? And I'm telling you, because you're part of this body, because you're part of what this body sows into the entire earth, and because God has prepared you for this time, I'm telling you, your greatest days of walking in the fullness of the power of the Spirit are yet ahead for you in Jesus' name. Could anybody receive this word this morning? So I want to tell you, I, I want to tell you that we get to be part of this because of, the, of what we carry. We carry a spirit that actually broke the power of death over Jesus, and the very same spirit that raised Jesus' dead body from the grave lives in you and I today. And because of carrying that same spirit, we carry a gospel of such great hope that literally people who are in the greatest bondage see the light, the light of the glory of God and the light of the good news that there is freedom in Jesus' name. Now turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, if you would. Galatians 5. We're going to run through some scriptures here that deal with freedom. In Galatians 5.1, next slide please. In Galatians 5.1, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. And there's, there's an issue happening with the church in Galatia. And that is they have lost 
the focus of the reason why the church was created in the first place. You see, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, was never to be a place where everybody got in line, everybody got all their rules and regulations, and that somehow we sought to, to uh, surpass each other by how well we lived according to the rules and regulations. In other words, we were never called to be a people who saw the standard of our success, how good boys and girls we are. I want to say something to you. Jesus Christ didn't come so that you could improve your behavior. <laughs> he didn't come so that you could be a good boy or a good girl. He came to set you free, to be who you're originally created to be. And the Galatians had a problem in that they thought that the way for that to happen was to enter back into a set of rules and regulations that Jesus eliminated when he died on the cross. And in Galatians 5.1, it says this. The Apostle Paul says, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Then he continues to talk about the law. Then he says in verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in this statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. When I grew up in my Baptist church in Chillicothe, Illinois, which is a town of about 6,000 people out in the middle of the cornfields of Illinois, we had all the right people in town that came to our church. You know, the people that were the good people in town. And every once in a while, the folks that came in that weren't necessarily from the right side of the tracks, we, we you know, we let them come into the church, and we, you know, kind of, we, we loved them. We let their kids come to Sunday school and things like that. But there was this idea, there was a sense of, well, you know, if you really were loved by God, if you really were walking it out right, you wouldn't have all this problem, all this drama in your life. And there was the sense of a two-class system in the church. There were the, the good folks, the right folks, the folks that had always been to church. And then there were the folks that... We were actually trying to get saved, but even after they got saved, they really weren't our kind of people. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? I'm thankful that we're no longer living in that kind of day in the church. Could I get an agreement in the room? Because what's happening is the Spirit of God is moving across the church in such a way that, first of all, He's exposing all the things that have kept us in bondage and in slavery. And what we're finding out is that everybody's broken. <laughs> Somebody laugh. It's true. How many of you know everybody needs something set free? That everybody's in bondage. You know, everybody's crying out for freedom. You know, if, if you watch any TV, particularly during the first part of the year, 
one of the things, because it's in every commercial slot that you think that everybody on earth needs to lose 20 pounds. Is that right? I mean, that's, that's all you see. You know, they did an amazing study that found out that women who carry a little bit extra weight actually live longer than men who mention it. But there's this idea that, you know, every, every, there's this idea that somehow, oh my gosh, you know, having all this weight on is bad. And I agree, we should live healthy. But I'm telling you, folks, the greatest issue in people's lives is not their physical health, it's the health of their soul. Yes, exactly. Because here's the problem you can be, as, you can be completely physically healthy and actually make it an obsession for it to be healthy and well and yet have a broken, soul that's in full bondage. Jesus came. He came to declare real freedom and to define what real freedom is. Look with me in John chapter 8, if you would, please. John chapter 8. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture, but it's, it's leading us to a place here. <clears throat> in John chapter 8, Jesus says in verse 31, Jesus therefore was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's offspring, and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. But is it that, how is it that you say, you shall become free? So Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. If therefore the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And it was in this statement in the calling forth of the truth in people's lives that Jesus exposed a deception that was in around the people that had actually committed to follow him. He wasn't talking about the Pharisees and Sadducees here. He was talking to people who said they believed in him, that they were following him. Now, did you see the deception that they were in? He's talking about freedom. And they say, well, why are you talking to us about freedom? We're Abraham's offspring. We've never been enslaved to anybody. Have you ever read the Old Testament? <laughs> Have you ever read the story of the Jewish people? Have you ever read Exodus? Have you ever read the book of Judges? Have you ever read the prophets? Have you ever read First and Second Chronicles? How many of you know that the very history of the Jewish people is that they started out as slaves, God set them free because they went into idol worship, they went back into slavery, when they got restored, then they went back into slavery again, and the entire book of Judges is nothing about we get set free, we're in slavery. We get set free, we're in slavery. We get set free, we're in slavery. And at the very moment that they were saying this, they were in slavery. That is, they were occupied by the Roman Empire. And one of the hardest things for you and I to come to grips with in our lives is the reality of that which we're really in bondage to. Because we've been lied to. We've been taught 
that what we are in bondage to is our identity, is who we really are, that it's something that really can't be changed in us because it's who we are. And so therefore, because it's who I really am, I have to be ashamed of it. I can't really talk about it because if I really am honest and truthful about what I'm in bondage to, I'm going to be rejected. So even though, thank God, we're in a new level of honesty and, and truthfulness about the state of brokenness in the church, the bottom line is, is that many of us still feel like there's no hope for us in regards to the bondage that we still carry. We make excuses for it. We say, well, you know, it was dad had this problem, grandpa had this problem, great-grandpa had that problem, so I, I guess we're going to have it too. It's just part of the family. Not realizing that there are generational curses that are broken by the power of the cross of Christ. Could I get an agreement in the room, anybody? You see, it's those very things that keep us in bondage, that keep us at a place of brokenness and brokenheartedness. Next slide, please. Psalm 147 declares this. Jesus heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up our wounds. So the very thing that keeps you in bondage also brings you to a place of feeling brokenhearted all the time. What is the sense of brokenheartedness? Well, for some of us, it's trauma. Some of it's the trauma that we experienced as children, as adults. For veterans who were in, in active service, they experience trauma because they're on a battlefield. For first responders, they experience trauma because what they've experienced as a police officer, firefighter, emergency medical technician. So there's lots of brokenheartedness all over the place. And the, the lie is, is that there is no hope for the brokenhearted. There is no hope for those in bondage. And that's why Jesus read Isaiah 61 on the very first day of his ministry. Turn with me to Isaiah 61, if you would, please. I know it's a very familiar passage in this house. But I want, to go, I want to go to it again. Isaiah 61. Isaiah, this is, now this is the prophecy, for those of you that are not familiar with this, because I don't want to assume this. This is the prophecy that was given to the, the people of Israel, God's people, that when Messiah showed up, this is what his ministry would look like. That, that this is how you could tell that the, the person who shows up on the scene and declares their Messiah, that you can tell this is really the sent one from God because of his ministry. This is what it looks like. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the rich and famous. No, to the afflicted and the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of 
uh, a spirit of fainting or heaviness. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Then they, not the folks that got their acts together, Mm -hmm. not the folks that have always just had a blessed life, Mm -hmm. but it's the broken. It's those in bondage. It's those who have been captivity. It's those who were prisoners. It's those who were mourning. It's those who had a spirit of heaviness. It's those who knew what it was like to be in slavery. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. And strangers will stand and pasture your flocks. Foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. But you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. And I'm going to stop at Dr. Melody's favorite verse, which is, I, the Lord, love justice. I'm not going to go there this morning. But I want you to understand something, that this is what... What he came and his anointing was not just to be a good preacher or to be a good teacher. See, there are a lot of folks who will declare that they love the teachings of Jesus. They really like what he had to say. That they they used some of his teachings to follow him. At least to to walk, walk out their lives. But the reality is, is that Jesus didn't come just to teach a good good teaching. He didn't even come to preach a bunch of nice messages that we could all put on our walls and as, as nice plaques. But he came to make a declaration that brought freedom. And that declaration that brought freedom is this. The, that which was originally intended for you to live as a son or daughter of a loving father, is now available for you again. Katie Luce reminds me, our on-site administrator, reminds me of a a period in the, the end of the Civil War that there was something called the Freedom Bureau that was established by the government because there were all these slaves that were still in bondage even though there had been an Emancipation Declaration and even though the Civil War was ended and had won their freedom, there were slaves all throughout the South that never got that news. So the Freedom Bureau were men and women that were commissioned by the government to go forth into houses and barns and settlements and camps and to pull those who were now no longer slaves together and say the good news is the war is over your freedom has been paid for you are now free how would you like to be part of that group wouldn't that have been amazing just to go do that I mean, how many of you know that a lot of times those slaves probably had to be convinced? Yeah. 
because they had lived so long underneath the bondage of slavery. Many of them had never known anything else but slavery, that it was almost incomprehensible for them to imagine what life would be like as a free man or woman. Brothers and sisters, that's what you and I are anointed to do for everyone around us. But there's some things you have to understand. You have to understand that there are three things that you and I can, that not only you and I, but anybody that we try to minister to can be in bondage to. First of all, how many of you know that you can be in bondage to wrong definitions? That you and I can be in bondage to wrong definitions. For instance, if I define freedom as the absence of something in my life that's causing me problems, then I've got a wrong definition of freedom. If I think that some, if, if I can just get rid of this addiction, or if I can just get rid of this habit, or if I can just get rid of this person, everybody smile, <clears throat> then I will really know what it is to be free. The idea of freedom being the absence of something in your life is a completely wrong definition of freedom. See, freedom is the ability to be all that God created you to be. I'm going to say it again. Freedom is the ability to be all that God created you to be. That means that I walk in the fullness of who I really am. Who God, what before I was conceived in my mother's womb, what his dream for me is. Now, I have a conviction. I hope every one of you, I, I know the way Dr. Melody and Stephen, Pastor Stephen preach, so I believe you guys know this already. How many of you know that God had a dream for your life before you were even conceived in your mother's womb? That God knew you, it says, in, 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 our, in our mother's womb, and there was a purpose for which we came into this world and why we're still here. You, that you may have been an accident to mommy and daddy, but you were not an accident to God. Could I get an agreement in the room, anybody? Amen. So therefore, there's a purpose why I'm here. And no matter what the enemy has been trying to tell me, no matter what those who have been given my care have been trying to tell me, God says to me, I have a dream for your life. God says, I'm committed to that dream. And God says, as long as your feet are still on this earth, on this side of the sod, sucking oxygen, I am committed to fulfilling the dream of your life. You see, not, not only do we have to have a definition, straighten up our definition of what freedom is, but we have to straighten up our definition about who God is. If you see God as a, this, this guy, the big eye in the sky, who's always out to punish you, who's always out to, to kind of trap you in, always make life miserable and make things not so fun, you need to understand something. You need to get a fresh definition of God. Jesus came to reveal him as a loving papa who desired to share his inheritance with all of his kids. 
Part of that inheritance is not only walking in the wealth of the kingdom and in the glory of the kingdom and in the family business, but actually feeling a purpose for living and being part of an amazing family by which everybody's important, everybody's significant, nobody gets left behind the door, and no matter who you came from, no matter where you came from, no matter where you are right now, you are significant to your papa because you're an amazing son or daughter. So his heart for you is one of love, not punishment, not somehow withholding. I love the fact that I believe it was Nowen that said in his book about the parable of the prodigal son, that in reality, it should, he, the parable is not about a prodigal son who was wasteful and, and, and gave away all of his inheritance. The reality is the name of the parable should be the prodigal father. Because in the eyes of the world, he was wasteful. He gave away his part of his inheritance to his son. And then when the son came back in repentance, he says, guess what? You get to come back into the inheritance again. I'm going to kill the fatted calf. You're not just going to be a slave. You're going to be my son again. And you've always been my son. And you get to enter into the family business again. No matter what you've done, no matter how much you've wasted, you're my son. You get to be part of the family. That's what you've always been. Could I get an agreement, anybody in the room? So we got to change our definition of God. When we change our definition of God, then we change our definition of who we are. Because then, as sons and daughters, we walk in the fullness of the Father's blessing, in the fullness of His grace, in the fullness of His mercy, in the fullness of His provision, and we keep contending. Are there times that there's a drought? Absolutely. Are there times that it feels like, you know, well, okay, God, I, I need some help here, and, you, and there's, a, there's a time of stretching of your faith? Absolutely. But I'm telling you, what makes those, li those times easier to walk through is the conviction that he's an amazing papa who loves me, who's for me, who, uh, whose eye is on me, not to judge me or to condemn me, but to love me and see the dream of God in my life fulfilled. Amen? So not only do you change the definition of freedom, you change the definition of God, you change the definition of you, but you also change the definition of what's possible for you. See, you look at your present situation, whether it's awesome or whether it's awful, and you think, okay, my life is really limited, and I can't expect much out of life, so I'm going to kind of tone down what's possible for me, and I'm going to look around and kind of see what people, people around me are able to do, and, and I'm just going to just do my best to kind of navigate through this narrow passage. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you've had things said to you about because of something that happened to you, therefore you really can't expect uh, a whole lot, you know, or maybe because of a choice that you made. Therefore, your, your life is kind of limited. The reality is God is not encumbered or in bondage to who you were born, what family you were born into, what city you were born into, what nation or state you were born into. He's not in bondage to what's been done to you or the choices that you've made. 
He's not in bondage by that at all because he is a God who restores all things. And indeed, it says in Romans chapter 8, he is able to work all things together for our good because he loves us and we're called according to his purpose. And his purpose for us is to be conformed into the image of Christ. In other words, we get to look like Jesus. Turn to somebody and say, you're looking more like Jesus every day. Do it right now. Come on. Do it. Let's make a prophetic declaration. You're looking more like Jesus every day. So then what's possible for us is everything that was possible for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Get excited about this. I'm telling you. You need to understand. Then Jesus becomes what's possible for you and me. And guess what? Guess what Jesus said to his disciples, which included us? He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Anybody remember the rest of this verse? And greater works than these, because I go to the Father. So I actually get to do more than Jesus did. You get to do more. Come on. Guys, you're going to get this in a minute. You get to do more than Jesus did. You get to do more than Jesus did. You get to do more than Jesus did. Because masters who are discipling disciples always want to see their disciples go far beyond and above where they have been. That's the heart of a true father. That's the heart of a true disciple maker, that you go above and beyond where the master has gone. So what's possible for you right this moment is the dream of God for your life. I was in a church in a cornfield in Morton, Illinois, having a wonderful time. God was with us. I was blessed, family around me. My wife had an amazing career. Had a great, I, I had just hired one of the best assistant pastors a man could ever had. Had a great youth pastor. Had a, a great board of elders. We were, we were building a 12,500 square foot building for our food pantry debt-free. We had a food pantry. The church had about 200 people on a Sunday morning, but we were feeding over 300 people in the food pantry every week. And I mean, I was in, I was having a wonderful time. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, in, that, I'm in that place where I'm going to be here until the Lord gives me another assignment because, by the way, I consider everything that I do as an assignment from God, and I don't move from that assignment until God says, this is your next assignment. Could I get an agreement in the room, anybody? And then I go on a mission trip with Randy Clark. Everybody smile. And all of a sudden, what's possible for me becomes much wider than anything that I could ever imagine. And, you know, it's funny, even after I, we, we stepped across that doorway, that threshold, into saying yes to God. And by the way, can I say something to everybody here? Your papa loves you so much that he's going to make sure that you don't miss him. Yes, amen, good preaching. Yes. Everybody hear this. Yeah. He's going to make sure that you don't miss him. 
And if you have to go around the mountain a few times, it's okay. There are no F's in God's kingdom. Amen. No failures. In other words, he'll just keep taking you around the mountain until you get it from him. You, get the, you pass the test. But the amazing thing that the Papa gave to me as I was making a decision, because it was a, it was a pretty tough decision, is, he, is I had a prophetic, one of my prophetic counsel come to me and say, look, I want to tell you something. You have such a relationship with the Father that he gives you the choice. If you stay here, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. People are going to get saved, healed, and delivered. It's going to be an amazing time. It's going to be wonderful. You'll be around your family. Everything will be a blessing. It's really be good. If you make the decision to do this, I'm going to bless you there as well. But you'll also enter into the fullness of what I created you to be. Is there any choice at that point? Right? Right? But that's his love for you. See, that's the love he has for us. You're, we are so afraid to step out into the fullness of what God has for us because we're afraid we're going to be presumptuous and miss it. And I'm telling you, God wants you to make some mistakes. He wants you to step out into something every once in a while. And if you fail, it's okay. He loves it because there's no failure in it because you're learning faith. You're learning a walk. You're learning to depend upon him. You're learning to trust him in stepping out every time. And it's very easy to get into a place where you just simply say, well, you know, there's not, you know, I'm just going to love God and serve the church. And all of that's wonderful. You should be doing that. You should be doing that wherever you are. But I'm telling you, there are some things that God has in store for you that are, he's putting in front of you as an open door. And if you'll step across and say yes, you'll enter into the fullness of what's possible for you, which is the limit. There is no limit to what's possible for you in Jesus' name. Amen? The other thing we have to deal with a bad definition. Remember we were talking about being in bondage to bad definitions? We have to be broken of this idea that what our history is and what we have done or what's been done to us or where we come from somehow still defines us. You see, you don't really come... Most of us in the American church have not come to grasp with the idea of 2 Corinthians 5.17 that declares if any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. Not some things, not a few things, all things. And what that means is then my history starts to be rewritten yes. from the view of the cross. See, when you read your Bible, I, I have a hermeneutic. I believe it's a right hermeneutic. That is, this is how I read the Bible. I read everything in the Bible through the cross of Christ. I read it through the cross of Christ because everything leading up all through the whole Old Testament is leading up to the cross of Christ. Everything in the New Testament after the cross of Christ is about the, the results of the cross of Christ. But everything is in the cross of Christ. 
And my history is in the cross of Christ, so much so that in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, I'm not going to go there, but I'm just going to declare it to you. It says that every accusation, everything that was written against us, including our history of behavior and choices and things that have happened to us, were nailed on the cross with Jesus Christ, and they were completely wiped out. So therefore, you and I are no longer defined by our history. We're not defined by what happened to us. We're not defined by what we've done. We're not defined by the choices that we've made. We're defined by who our papa calls us right now. And he calls us a free son or daughter of a loving father. That's who we are. That's what my history is. And now I am making redemptive history because my life is a manifestation of the goodness and the glory of God in everything that I do, even when I fail. Did you hear that? Now, my, see, before, before I came to Christ, it was just Mike doing stupid stuff all the time. It was Mike making bad choices all the time. It was Mike being a jerk and an idiot. And I had, I had a big, I had the spirit of stupid on me. That's all I can tell you. How many of you know you need to get delivered of the spirit of stupid? Anybody? But since then, I got delivered from the spirit of stupid. Do I still make stupid mistakes? Yes. But I believe my God to turn everything together for my good. So therefore, my entire history from here on out is about redemption. It's about restoration. It's about fullness. And I step into the fullness of who Jesus has made me to be. And now all of a sudden, I go from the spirit of stupid to being somebody who walks in wisdom. I go from the spirit of making bad choices to all of a sudden saying, Jesus, what's the choice you want me to make for this day? I go from the sense of being lost to being one who's completely found, who's completely loved, who's completely secure, and therefore I can walk in such amazing freedom that I'm not in bondage to anything I did in the past. It's just like he took a great big old check and he signed off on it and said, this is to pay off all the debts of your past, which is actually exactly what he did. How many of you just like to have somebody come along and write a big check to write off all your credit card debt right now in Jesus' name? Anybody? Well, why don't we ask for it? Jesus, come and write it. Wipe out all of our credit card debt and mortgage debt in Jesus' name. Seriously, why don't we ask for that? Because what's possible for us? Anything? How many of you have debt? I don't, why am I doing this? Keep your hands up. Father, in Jesus' name. I ask you right now, because you are the debt forgiver, God. Father, I ask for everyone in this room that is in bondage to debt, God, in Jesus' name. God, forgive us if we've been stupid with our money and we've gotten into awful debt. God, in Jesus' name, I ask your forgiveness. We change the way we think about it. We believe in you, God, to provide for us. But Father, we no longer want to live in bondage in Jesus' name. So we ask for freedom, and we ask you, God, to come and provide and cancel out our debts and get them paid in Jesus' mighty name. Anybody? Is that okay to ask for that? So understand this. That 
the thing that you must understand about your history and getting a right definition about it is that God takes that which is most broken in us, that which has been the most difficult for us. This is where it gets exciting, folks. And when he gets a hold of it, it now becomes the greatest platform for our ministry. That which you've been the most ashamed of, that which you've had the most struggle with, that which has been the most difficult for you, now becomes a place where you experience victory and freedom. And then you get to be a source of victory and freedom to everyone else who's gone through the same thing you have. See, there's the thing. Advance the slide to, I think, not the last slide, but the keep going. There it is. There's this amazing thing that they do in Japan. You see, in America, whenever we break something, we have a tendency just to throw it away, go get a new one, particularly with pottery and jars and vases like this. Well, in Japan, they're not a throwaway culture. They value everything that they have, particularly their art. And whenever they have a piece of broken pottery or a vase, they pick up the pieces and they take gold lacquer or silver lacquer. And they use the gold and silver lacquer to repair that piece of pottery. So that to repair with gold, the art of repairing pottery with gold or silver lacquer and understanding that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken. So therefore, I'm no longer ashamed of my brokenness. I no longer carry the identity of, of, of somebody who's useless because I'm too broken. But instead, when Jesus comes in and sets me free, when I go from being a captive to somebody who's free, when I go from being a prisoner to somebody who's free, when I go to one who's, who's mourning and who's in sorrow and someone who is walking under the, oil, the, the spirit of heaviness and when I'm walking the spirit of captivity and when I get set free, then here's what's happened. That which kept me in bondage now becomes the thing that I put under my feet and I crush it in Jesus' name. Not only in my life, but in everyone else's life. My history is rewritten. My identity is solid. I'm secure in who I am. I know who my papa is. And I know that everything is possible for me. That's the definition of freedom. One last definition I want to leave you with today. And then we're going to go for a time in ministry. And by the way, Janine or Paula Donna or Roxanne, if you get a word of knowledge, uh, come up and, and give it. There's a lot of debate about what grace is today. There's a lot of folks who try to define grace as, you know, because the finished work of Christ, it really doesn't make any difference what we do because Christ has forgiven our past, present, and future sins. And I want to just say to you, that's not the right biblical definition of grace. Here's the right biblical definition of grace that I want to give to you. Grace is the empowering presence of God. Grace is the empowering presence of God that enables me to be 
all that God created me to be and to do all that God created me to do. Instead of looking at it, grace is, oh, I'm free now, I can do whatever I want to. No, no, no. Now I'm free to really be the dream of God for my life. See, grace is not something that just saves you, but grace sustains you with his presence and power so that things can be possible for you. So I want to close with this today, brothers and sisters. First of all, I never want to take it for granted that everybody in the room has experienced Jesus in the way that I've talked about today. And I know what it is to be trapped in religion where I've done all the right things. I made all the right moves. I got baptized at the right time. I became a good church member. I was the Sunday school superintendent and had absolutely no relationship with Jesus Christ. I know what it is to be that way. I know what it is to be dragged to church every Sunday by your parents. I know, I know all of that. And I want to say to you, there's something so much more. How many of you, I mean, church is awesome, but how many of you know we're not going to, when we die, we're going to go to church? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, somebody said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> this is an expression of the body of Christ. It's awesome, but it's not just going to be about church. It's going to be living in the glory of Jesus all the time. But I'm telling you that, it, that if you're, relationship with Jesus is just about going to church, you've completely missed it. You're not getting the fullness and understanding of what it is to mean, what it is to walk out the dream of God for your life. So I want to encourage you just to welcome the love of a loving father into your life. Let him heal your broken heart. Let him bind up your wounds. Let him set you free from the shame and guilt that you carry because no matter how much you think you know, for those that carry shame and guilt, here's the one lie that you carry. You think God hates you. You think God is disappointed with you. You think God has got his pointy little finger at you saying, look at you, you're doing that sinner. And the reality is he has a heart of love reaching out to you saying, come to me, son. Come to me, daughter. I want to fix that. I want to heal you. I want to restore you in Jesus' name. So if that's you today, I just invite you to welcome his love into your life and don't leave here before we get an opportunity to pray for you. Secondly, I feel that in the room today, there's an anointing to pray an impartation for men and women to be anointed, to give out freedom that you've already experienced. And even if you're not walking in full freedom, even if you have some things that you're in bondage to, I want to say to you today that even in the impartation, you can receive freedom in Jesus' name. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask for the Spirit of God to come. He's here. I'm going to ask him to manifest himself in our lives right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this family called Giving Light. And I thank you for the amazing kingdom outpost that this family is. But I'm hearing today that you want to bring an upgrade. An upgrade in walking in the fullness of the anointing for their lives in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and bring fresh manifestation of your glory into this room.
Holy Spirit of God, come in power right now in Jesus' name. Father, right now, I just I break the power of every single chain, of every single lie of darkness, and every single bad definition that we have carried in our hearts about ourselves, about you, about what's possible for us. And in Jesus' name, I declare right now the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to set every captive free now. In Jesus' name. Spirit of God, come in power. Come and move. Right now, I just see in the room, hearts are beginning to be opened up again to the reality of what's available, what's possible. Hearts are opening up to saying, I receive your love in a fresh way today, and I receive the power to give it away. Because see, folks, the way this kingdom works is the only way you keep what God has given you is by giving it away. And God has established you as missionaries in this entire region to go forth and bring the good news to the afflicted and to the poor. So come, Holy Spirit, increase now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.